everybody. Welcome to Dojo Talks Feedback. And uh, I came up with the idea, maybe because I'm a boomer GM, <laughs> it would be nice to have a, a more long form place to, for people to put feedback. Uh, in the Discord, it sometimes gets lost uh, in the thread. <laughs> it's hard for me to find once it happens. So we created this and it's worked out really well. We've got a lot of very articulate responses. And one of the things I was hoping for is that could spur us to have a more, instead of a day-to-day, -day, like putting out the fires kind of thing that we're doing, to have a bigger picture view of what we'd like to do, uh, big picture wise, to make the dojo training program even better. And maybe even long-term, we can think of it like we started the program in May of 2022 and maybe May, 2023, we can do some kind of bigger overall, but also will happen slowly in an incremental way as well. Dojo uh, training program 2.0. That's right. We can do 2.0 <laughs> at some point. Nice. Okay, so what we've all read through the feedback, very articulate, and we kind of divided it into a bunch of different topics. And the first one, I guess I would describe as regimentation, people asking for a more detailed plan. And um, so the um, thing about a plan that's very compelling is like, it takes a lot of the guesswork out <laughs> for the person doing it. And I have a lot of sympathy with it. And one of the metaphors that's been brought up is weightlifting. And so let me, for those of you who aren't into weightlifting, I'm not really a great big weightlifter, but this is the one people in the feedback have returned to it. And so I just want to uh, share what it what that vision looks like, right? Okay. So imagine we're talking especially powerlifting, no clean and jerk or stuff. We're just talking like bench press, maybe overhead press, maybe squat, maybe deadlift. In fact, not maybe, <laughs> those are your lifts, boss. And then the idea would be like, all right, I'm going to write it down what you're going to do every week, right? I'm going to write it exactly down. And then there's a dream that every week you do a little bit more, let's say five pounds more. It's a beautiful dream and it's uh, nice because it's measurable. So then the question becomes from a lot of our uh, participants, our people, well, can't we do that in the chess world? Can't you just tell me what to do? every week uh and and my my answer for the last couple months has been like no we can't and my answer has been like concentrate first on studying your own games and then if there's something that's going on within your cohort whether it's analyzing classic games or sparring then do that but people want more okay <laughs> more and that's what we're going to discuss first and so i'll send it over to either coaster or david whoever wants to yeah yeah, yeah so um Right. I've got this question multiple times. Um, the first, there's a question of like, yeah, can you just tell me what to do on a daily basis, like a right. specific day by day training plan, which I think works great in the fitness world. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I do know our site has that functionality where you can like, kind of like day by day, people log in, they check in and it's like, it just tells them like, here's what you need to study today. And then they can check off that they finished that day's work. And it's, it's just like a very self-motivating training plan because you're just going day by day and you're knocking stuff out. So I think that's a very uh, legitimate um, thing to do. I think when we created our program, our um, envisioning was more that people have all kinds of different schedules and lives. And so they're just going to figure out for themselves like when they can work on chess. Not everyone can work on chess every day. 
Um, a lot of people work more on weekends, like compared to weekdays, right? So it's hard to like give a plan because it's definitely not going to work for everyone to study like a whole lot every single um, day. So yeah, we just have to kind of maybe we can even do um, different kinds of plans where we give one for just like, you know, the ultimate improver, they have uh, 24 hours a day, they can do as much as they want, versus like the, the average working adult that can maybe only fit in like one hour, one to two hours on a weekday max, and then maybe can do a little bit more on a weekend. So I think that would be another thing for us to think about. And then on the question of, because I, I, I get this, I see this question on Discord all the time. And I think I saw it in the feedback as well. It's just like, well, what's like the, what are the most important things to work on? I think every time we get this question, because we've answered a couple of times, we always say like, focus on playing games, and then analyzing those games. And then if you have time for chess, outside of that, then I would say like, you can work on your tactics, you can work on your sparring. It's like, you know, like whatever you want to do, wherever you think you need to do next, that's kind of up to you. But like game analysis, and then uh, we're playing games, game analysis, that's just that's always going to be like the most important thing. We have that kind of like first in the training program, we have that first now on the scoreboard, it doesn't mean you can't do other stuff. Uh, if you're not playing, but I think we'd all agree that that is, that is the first thing someone should do if they if they want to improve their chess, they should probably play some chess and then review those games. Um, but to be fair, I'm not sure if we like ha explicitly have stated this somewhere, like maybe it's in like a, a guide somewhere, but it's not like front and center, like on the program or like in the frequently asked questions page. So I think that's something we can definitely be more clear about. Like the most important thing is playing games and game analysis. And then from here, like here's what you can do after that. If you have, um, you know, if you have more time during a day or during the week. I mean, like you guys, I've received this question a lot of times and up till now, my my cheap answer to it, and it's not an answer I don't stand by, but my but it's a very easy answer. My cheap answer up to this point was always just, well, you got to do everything. So it doesn't matter the order, like just start just start doing things on the list, you know, like whatever you feel like some people like to start with low hanging fruit. Some people like to start with whatever's first. Like, I don't care. You just have to do everything. Okay. And and I and I do believe that, like, without knowing somebody personally, it's not like we can know that, you know, you got to like play a game first and then do your like sparring, right? Like versus if you do your sparring and then play your game, like it's not likely to lead to a particularly different outcome. So everything just does have to get done. But there are so many people who want that extra scaffolding, right? Or that extra piece that they have to be right that they want it. And I'm happy to fulfill that, uh, that, that need that they have, right? So I had started working on this thing of laying out a weekly schedule. And, and the way I did it was I made like a lit and maybe you guys have seen what I started to do or like it or don't like it. But I structured it based on a week instead of day to day, because I'm not going to tell somebody your classical games on Monday versus it's on Sunday, right? Like, they know which day they can they can play a game, but I give them like a list of here's everything to do within one week. And hopefully that helps break it down compared to here's everything to do for a year, which is kind of what the training program might tell someone otherwise. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely an interesting idea. Um, I think there will definitely be people that just want like the the day by day breakdown. <laughs> and and mm -hmm. maybe there's a way to, to get around that problem. Maybe you could say, because um, a lot of fitness programs are structured like this. They're like day one is uh, yeah. chest day, day two is back day. And then sure. they just decide when day one is for them. So that could be Sunday when they play the game, Monday, wherever. So sure. I think there are ways but around we that. Might, but definitely... like, 
good start. Even with that template, I might say, you know, play a classical game day one, review a classical game day two, um, you know, do sparring day three or something like that. But someone comes to it and they're like, well, I played my classical game on Monday. I don't have any time free on Tuesday to review it. So I can't do that on two. You know what I mean? Like you don't know when people have breaks in their week or when somebody has like somebody, let's say two players who have eight hours in a week. One of them's got eight hours on Saturday and the other person has one hour every single day. Yeah. And two on Sunday or something, right? Like it's, I don't, I don't know that there's like an easy way for us to like break it down to them. Like every single minute they're going to do on which day. But you know what? I think, I think, let me try to address where I think the question's coming from because we do get a lot, right? Um, for example, in your sample training program that you put up here, which is a good first stab at it, right? You have like games, analysis, tactics, book, games of study, and then other. And I think what their anxiety is that people are trying to address is you come to the training program, there's all these boxes, and sure, we tell them that going over your games is the most important, but then they're looking at all the boxes and they're like, dude, <laughs> which one do I do? Just tell me which one I do, boss. Just tell me. And I guess I kind of get that, right? In my envisioning of the program, I was like, yeah, do what you enjoy first. And then the stuff you hate the most is probably going to be what is going to improve your game the most, right? But you'll probably do the things that you enjoy first. We've seen on the scoreboard, most people are checking off the puzzle rush, for example, right? So that was my original intuition. But I think if we did something like this, it would need to be really like, you know, this, this, and this is what you need, boss. It's got to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, and I think these are, these programs are not that difficult to design. So we can offer mm -hmm. different things and, and see what works. But yeah, it's clear that there's a lot of people that, um, do want that kind of like day-by-day uh, day guidance, which which I totally, I mean, which I totally relate with, like, right, because that's basically a lot of other kinds of uh, training programs are just like, yeah, here's what you do, uh, day one, day two, and and so on. And maybe even the way to address it, if we did what we could be call, if you could borrow from the CrossFit world, you could talk about programming, right, in the sense that just with like with fitness stuff where you could try to make it as varied as possible like crossfit does that you could build a program which is like all right we're building these different things but we're not going to do one thing all the time uh we're going to vary it up in terms of getting hitting all of the bases you know hitting all the bases so we don't just do leg day all the day every day um yeah though that does uh, go contrary to something Kosti, that I know you kind of like to espouse, which is just focus on one thing. Right. Yeah. I, I was just going to bring this up. Yeah. So for me, yeah. I've, I don't know, I've always been a believer yeah, in just focusing on a th specific thing that you're trying to work on. So, um, okay. Yeah. Calculation is very important. So when I was like working on my calculation, I would just do 90 minutes a day sitting OTB, solving problems, writing down my answers, super disciplined. And then the rest of the day, I, I was just like, okay, whatever you want to do, you want to go through games, you want to look at openings, like you did your main work. And then at the end of like four weeks or six weeks, I would just kind of choose a different thing. And I would definitely feel like a big, big boost to the calculation. And then maybe for the next six weeks, I would focus on an end game book, uh, like end game strategy or game collection. 
Um, you know, today I'm just, you know, every day I'm going to go through three tall games and then whatever else I do outside of that, whatever, but that's going to be my main focus. And I, I think that's a great strategy for some folks because slow and steady gets the job done. So you go through one book, you go through the second book, you know, and before you know it, you've gone through tons of stuff. Um, it's not as exciting as like, all right, tactics day one and games day two, uh, game, you know, day three. And I think you could still do that. Um, but I would, yeah, my encouragement would be um, everyone's playing games. You got to play if you're working on your chess. You got to analyze your games. And then outside of that, I would say choose one thing. You're working on your end games for the next month. You're working on your uh, calculation for the next month. You can choose a specific book, you know, whatever. But that's kind of how I would uh, suggest to do things. But it's not the only way. You've got, actually, you've got my but, vote, though, Kostya, so... Oh. One thing too, where this is makes it, it's easier than the fitness world, honestly, is an important difference is in the fitness world, like the reason you got something like a weekly schedule is you don't want to blast whatever muscle group one day and then blast the same one the next day, you're toast, <laughs> you're fried, dude, you're fried. So it makes sense to take the days off from there. But right with chess, there's no reason to take days off in between whatever it is you're working on. Um so, so yeah, right. I, I would say there's the opposite effect there where, yeah, if you're right. taking in too much knowledge, it's going to be very hard to retain everything. Um, so, yeah, that's always the fear I have when someone says like, okay, I'm going to do 30 minutes of like studying this end game book and then 30 minutes mm -hmm. of tactics is that like, you're probably not going to remember a lot of the end game stuff that you read, especially if it's some kind of end game algorithm, they show some technique, like you read it once and you don't really practice it. You know, I feel like you, you probably don't remember a lot uh, in the long run. Yeah. Maybe um, what we could do then is, first of all, we could, these people, actually, there's a lot of people out there who have their own ideas about this. They could share it with us and we could workshop it on the Discord. But maybe a basic way of doing it is to say, if we're going to go Kostya's method, which I have a lot of sympathy with, is to create a hierarchy of things that we think there's a, like, let's say there's an order to. So um, you're always going over your games, but if that is done, then this is the thing you're working, for example, yeah. right? Maybe it's the Bulgar made in twos. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's the sparring, maybe, you know, all these different options are available to you. Then the, the Kostya method is to like knock it out and then go to the next thing. <laughs> right. And we yeah. do have kind of a natural inbuilt hierarchy because we have the, the the program on the site, which is kind of built vertical, top down. So people see, um, mm -hmm. you know, the welcome and then the games and analysis. That's the first thing. And right. then I think the second thing we have is is tactics. But it's not really said like, OK, this is one, this is two, this is three. And that's not how we do it either, because it's not like we're definitely not saying you have to play your 50 games and only then you can work on tactics or then you can work. You no, know, you're playing your games and working on your chess uh simultaneously um of course it's different uh again actually for people that are playing like one game a week versus uh players that are kind of like more traditional tournament players so they're playing like a tournament like five games in a weekend like very very intense or nine games over five days right. and mm -hmm. then and then maybe not playing for like another month so they're doing a lot of training in between then and then they have like another tournament where some people they play one game a week and then they don't have these like kind of bigger events but yeah, they're playing one game a week, and then they're kind of studying throughout that week as well. Now, maybe I should address another thing about this. So um, 
if you imagine in terms of time, let's say you decided that you wanted to cross the puzzle rush, your puzzle rush requirement for your rating band. Might happen in a day, might happen in an hour, might take six months, you don't know, right? And with Kostya's method, which I kind of like, he's just like, well, you're going to be on it until you do it, boss. You're going to be on it until you do it. And, you know, if you have to mix it up, I mean, there's other things definitely to do because you, obviously you can overdose. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. but, but like Kostya said, you know, an hour and a half a day might be the kind of way to approach it just until you try to crush a specific goal. Yeah. Well, hang uh, on, hang wait, on, though. Wait, wait, let me just bring something up. Okay. I want to finish. So the thing that a lot of people are saying, and this, I have a certain amount of sympathy with this, is a lot of people are saying, boss, we need to program in like either a puzzle of the day or a tactics requirement of the day. And a lot of people believe that. I have a certain sympathy with it. I try to tell them that the tactics are all there in their games. They don't hear me when I say that, but they want like a specific number of let's say tactics of whatever kind in any given day. And so that's something also we could work with. Okay. I want to say about like the, the, you know, it could take six months um, and maybe Kosti will disagree with me, but I'm, I'm a fan of like sort of like focused mini units. And I would say you do a pass for, you know, three or four weeks on like improving your tactics. And if you haven't made the goal, then you just know that you're going to make another pass at tactics later, but you would move on to another topic. I wouldn't do six months in a row of puzzle rush just because tactics are a weakness of mine and I haven't yet made that goal and not work on anything else. So I would go do the, you know, all the end game materials for my level for three or four weeks, you know, a mix of reading something in Silman, let's say, and doing some sparring positions, right? And hopefully I would get some success there. And then I would, you know, come back around after, you know, maybe three mini sessions, I'd come back around to my tactics. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I think, um, right, grinding for six months on, on one topic seems very, very, um, very much overkill. And if someone works on their tactics, I think for like four to six weeks consistently, I think they're already going to see a ton of progress. And then, I don't know, that's always the point where I kind of started to burn out where I just felt like, okay, I'm not really super into this anymore. And I've already felt like I improved a lot. So then I wanted to kind of focus on on something else. But yeah, people can, um, I guess, uh, you know, uh, adjust. But to me, four, four weeks, like a month or, or six weeks at a time definitely seems um, reasonable. And I guess it could be as simple as just having a uh, just a flexible thing where it's like, OK, you have uh, you have your games, you have your analysis and then you have one like major. Right. Like you have a focus that you choose. And then, OK, you do your focus 90 minutes a day. If you have a bonus time for whatever, then you can do like going through a game or maybe a quick sparring session, I think could be useful, right? But uh, yeah, maybe we could kind of break it down like that, where maybe it's up to the student to choose their focus, what they think they need to work on. But but we kind of schedule it like, okay, well, then do that, you know, 60 to 90 minutes a day, five days a week, for, for example. Okay. Well, how about this? Let's 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 create some sample plans, and then we can workshop with people. There's people in our Discord who are very into this topic, so we could like put it out there and create some some schedules, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's great, man. Hey, you um, guys, what about my question? I was thinking maybe we could take some schedules for one of the you know very highly populated bands, like somewhere in the middle, you know, a thousand, twelve hundred, mm -hmm. something like that, yeah. where there's just tons of people. And we could put 
we could put uh we could hand those over to them and just get like a week of feedback on it and then and then build out the the plans for all the other levels sure we could we could definitely we could try to workshop it like that yeah because i think otherwise you know it's probably about like an hour to put together the to put together the plans for like one or two bands so we could put in like 50 or 20 hours and then like just want to delete it all or revise it all so maybe get feedback from one from one band give them a couple schedules and then work the others out okay yeah yeah right yeah that makes sense um all right okay next feedback subject yeah next, feedback. Yeah. next topic i think we had was time controls right time which control is, right. which is a big one okay so yeah, yeah. let me let me catch people up to speed because this is a complaint we've gotten since the beginning, since even before the program launched. Um, we knew we were going to have it. We knew we were going to have it this way. Yeah. I mean, Jesse, Kosi, and I had no holds barred brawls about the time <laughs> controls even before anyone had heard about it or given us any feedback. Yeah, that's right. Right. So, yeah, I it's made like, concessions. It's like the ratings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesse um, made concessions in order not to lose the vote so you can see like when you get into like a political situation how like <laughs> compromise can, can come up so for everyone listening let me just explain how the the program kind of works right now um, one of the program's core tasks is to play a certain amount of classical games and then analyze and annotate those games in order for a game to count as classical we have enlisted certain standards based on people's ratings so if you're under 800, then we're saying a minimum time control of 30 minutes plus 15 seconds is good enough. That can be online, OTB, uh, it doesn't matter. But 30 minutes plus 15 is kind of like a minimum that we would count as like a, a long game where you can develop like your deep thinking and really get into it. Um, I mean, I think we all think for us, like 30 minutes is pretty quick, but okay, for players under 800, I think that's reasonable because a lot of them, they start out playing like Blitz and like Fast Rapid and that's really, really way too fast. So at least G30 plus 15. For 800 to 1200, our minimum requirement is 45 minutes plus 15 seconds. For 1200 to 1600, it's 60 minutes plus 30 second increment. Um, we introduced a 30 second increment here. A lot of like OTB events, are pretty much just using 30 second increment time controls nowadays. So it makes a lot of sense to start kind of practicing using that time control. And then for 1600 plus, if you're in the program, 1600 plus, meaning like 1600 is like your feed rating or a little bit higher USCF online, et cetera. Then we're saying the minimum is 90 minutes uh, plus 30 seconds, um, which is essentially the minimum time control you'll see in like a classical like OTB event nowadays. Like I'm, I'm going to be playing a tournament tomorrow, which is 90 plus 30, but uh, a lot of events have like the second time control. They're like even longer than that. But 90 plus 30, this seems to be kind of like the the main standard um, nowadays. Okay. So a couple things to, to clarify. Um, these are kind of like our suggestions, right? And we're going to say like if you play a game that like counts for the program, it has to meet this one, one of these minimum time controls, right, for your rating. Mm-hmm. These time controls definitely don't work for everyone, especially people that are only playing um, online games. They don't really like online classical, which I think we, we totally uh, sympath- uh, sympathize with. Like all of us prefer playing classical OTB. We don't really play a lot of classical online um, ourselves. 
So I get that. But okay, for some players, they can't play OTB at all. They have to play online. And so, yeah, they don't love playing online classical. Other players, they just prefer to play uh, faster time controls. And, um, and then there's a very specific critique, which I sympathize with quite a bit, in that uh, there's lots of players out there that have kind of like local OTB events that don't quite fit our time control. So for instance, there's a lot of like G75s out there, or I think I, I saw someone who asked about like a G90 plus five. So instead of the 30 second increment, it was like a five second increment right. um, or a five second delay, which is very, very close. And to me, I, it still feels like a long game. And uh, the key point I, I want to just quickly bring up is like, for me, I feel like OTV games kind of do have more impact than online games. They're like less distractions. You're there in person. Uh, if you're an OTB player, then OTB is kind of like what it's all about. So I feel like I would rather have someone play a slightly shorter OTB game than a 90 plus 30 online game, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, a lot of people um, don't love the requirements. I do want to say though that it's like, if you're, uh, let's say 12 to 1600, your requirement is 60 plus 30. Um, and then you end up playing like a 45 game, uh, 45 minute game, because you're in, like the Lee Chess League 45 45. So okay, that maybe won't count for our program. I still think that's could be a very instructive game, could be a very useful game, like 45 minutes is still a long time, especially if you use that time. What happens in a lot of these games is that you know, whether you start off with 60 minutes or 90 minutes or 45 minutes, both players just blitz out their moves and the game is done with both players having a ton of time left on their clock. So none of those games are like really <laughs> like actual like legit classical games. And that's kind of like the bigger issue. So it's really more about spending your time. So if you play like a 45-45 game and you take your time and then... I think you could still get a ton of value from that game, but we still have to be like very, very rigid about our requirements. Cause if we start like, like lowering a lowering, then who knows what's, um, what's okay. And I think we would generally agree that there is a, a very significant difference between like a 45, 45 and a, a 90 plus 30, right? Like the 90 minutes is way longer. You have a lot more time for like longer things, deeper things, and ultimately, um, probably going to be better for your chess. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, where do, you, where do you guys stand on all that? <laughs> Sorry, I'm raring to get in on this. Yeah. Um, so first of all, um, one simple clarification is that I think if the minutes plus the seconds add up to line up, like the main time control plus the increment, if that lines up, that would be okay, right? So like 90 plus 30 or like 100 plus 20 or like 80 plus 40, those would be pretty... Those would be pretty similar, right? So if somebody's saying, oh, oh, I can't find 30 plus 15, but they can find a 45 plus zero, I think that counts. It's basically the same amount of time if the game lasts 60 moves, right? So I think if the if the minutes of the main time control plus the increments add up to the same numbers, the numbers we give, that's that's fine. It's sort of like a different approach to the same amount of time. So if that Lee Chess League is 45 plus 45, that would count for people looking for a 60-30, but it would definitely not count for people looking for a 90-30. So I don't, I don't fully agree with that because, so number one, you said you base it off 60 moves. I think you could base also base it off like 40 moves, I think is reasonable. And then sure you could, you, you would kind of have less flexibility. But the other thing is, I think just psychologically, starting with more time means you're more likely to think longer versus like having a bigger increment, then okay, you'll have more time for the rest of the game. But I yeah. still feel like, you know, having like 60 minutes versus 45 minutes, if you start with 45, you're a lot closer, I think, to time trouble, 
than at 60, right? So you just kind of, and then 60, I think you're a lot closer than 90, right? So um, even if the increment kind of matches up, I don't know, I would still, I would put the, the focus on the starting uh, time control. And then I would say the increment matters less personally. Like starting with 90 minutes to me is more important than whatever the increment ends up being. Wow. So we're not going to agree on anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. The other point I was going to say is if people play a game that doesn't count for the program, but is still like an interesting, good game, there's no harm in that, right? Like if somebody goes to a tournament and they play some 90 plus fives, cool. That's probably really awesome for them. I wouldn't check them off on the program because they didn't play 90 plus 30. And we have to have like a line where we have a cutoff. So I would say the 90 plus fives don't count for our program, but surely they're going to count for that player's development. So they should absolutely go play those games. And like the point of playing a game is not just to check it off in the program, but actually to play. So if somebody's got a club where they're consistently playing time controls that don't match our requirements, they should still go play. It's still fun and they'll still learn, but they can't cross it off. Another suggestion I would have for people in that situation is just take over your club, right? I mean, there's got to be like a few other dojoers at your at your OTB chess club and just tell the club like, look, you're having us play, you know, whatever, 75 minutes every week and we'd like to play 90 minutes. Yeah. <clears throat> Let me uh, read one of these. This is, I think, indicative. So <laughs> I love this first sentence, by the way. I need more reps. <laughs> I need more reps. I think there should be more emphasis on playing more chess. This guy is in the 1,000 or 1,100 cohort. So he gets to actually play at shorter time controls than 90-30. I love the long time controls, but unfortunately, I can't play a three-hour chess game every day. I can, however, play a rapid game or two multiple times a week. I think it should be treated the same way in classical as classical games. Track how many you play and analyze each one. We have to play and analyze 30 classical games. I think it would be helpful to play and analyze 120 rapid games. So let me just respond to this. I am, by the way, the hardliner. <laughs> the hardliner in this discussion. And first of all, if you want to play rapid games or blitz for fun, fine. If you notice I'm doing a speed run, it feels like I'm being a hypocrite. I'm just doing it for fun. I have no illusions. I have zero illusions that I'm, my chess is being helped. Maybe I am developing maybe some thoughts about the opening and all as I review the game, but I'm not improving my chess, you know, as an art. So uh, one of the things I really want to stress is I did a video I was very happy about called the two kinds of thinking in chess. And I really want to stress that unless you are thinking long, you're not actually getting better at anything. You're just rehearsing whatever intuition it was that you had before. And not only that, but playing longer games will actually improve your blitz because you are you're getting a sense of different structures and tactical patterns on a deeper level that then you'll get good at right and then be able to reproduce when you're playing quickly so i want to say about this um let's say to, to this one guy was very common a critique of our program something i want to stress is you don't have to play a gazillion games. And even if you imagine 30 classical games taking you weeks and weeks and weeks, it's important to see that let's say you just play one a week, maybe one every two weeks. If you spend time on that game analyzing, by the way, you don't want to analyze a game that people haven't thought of. I'll tell you as a coach, it's terrible. The student brings me a game, 15 minute game or something. I don't want to look at that guy. Didn't think about it at all. We're going to spend more than 15 minutes looking at the game. You know, we're going to spend probably an hour looking at the game. 
So maybe more. And so the thing I want to stress is it's okay if it feels like it's going to take a long time to get those classical games in. There'll be other things to do. Let's say, for example, myself, I'm playing in a, I play in an over the board tournament over weekends. I get five or six games. It's going to take me a while to, to do those games, right? It's going to take me a while. And if I run out, there's other things in the program. I, by, if I finish, I should say, if I run out of games to review, there's other things in the program for me to do. Um, so I'm okay with these various translations of the time controls at the lower end, but I do want to stress that it's important. It's an important cornerstone of the program. That it, by the way, of all the thing, of all the cornerstones in the program, the game analysis has worked out the best. You just look at our database and the analysis that people are bringing in is astounding. And you need to play a long game to have the meat to really have something to look at later on. Okay, that's my, you've heard that spiel before. <laughs> there it is, man, there it is. <laughs> yeah, um, okay, a couple points I wanted to add. So um, yeah, number one, like uh, going with the, the fitness metaphor again, it's like you can't lift a 10 pound weight three times and say it's the same as lifting a 30 pound weight, right? Okay. It's, it's a different thing. Um, and so it's like, yeah, it's nice to get kind of like reps in, right? With like lower weights. And I, I think rapid chess uh, is fun. I think rapid chess can be useful. But yeah, if you're not going like super deep, it's really hard to get that that strength, that like that actual like increasing your ability mm -hmm. to, to calculate and, and, and play the game. Um, I think speed chess, I've said this before, but I think speed chess is great for just kind of like seeing where you're at, like your current form, whether you're like uh, seeing tactics, whether, you know, you're kind of like familiar with an opening or if you're like struggling, it's like kind of a good like testing area for stuff, but um, I don't think it's necessarily great for improvement. Um, on, on the topic of kind of checking stuff off, so... Yeah, the thing is, like, to graduate in the program, you it's all about the rating. So if you gain rating playing uh, OTB events at, like, slightly shorter time controls at what we have, but, like, you know, FIDE still counts as classical or USCF or whatever, um, you can still graduate. You can still continue. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think people like checking off boxes, you know, and you have uh, Jesse on stream yelling at people that they're not checking off boxes, right? So people do want to kind of, like, engage with and like participate in the program you know they feel excluded if they're playing serious classical games but then they can't submit them to the database they can't like cross off that this counts for something um so i don't know my feeling is that there should be um i would put in like an otv exemption right so for example like a 90 plus 5 versus 90 plus 30 like to me i, I think if you're playing that otv then I, I don't know, I think that that should count. Or if you're in like the 12 to 1600 group and uh, you're playing like a G60 plus five rather than G60 plus 30, because G60 plus 30, that doesn't really exist OTB. At least I haven't seen it. If it's a G60, it's usually going to be like a five second delay or maybe 10 second delay um, at best. Yeah. Yeah, so, David. David's shaking his head, which means the hardliner is just going to carry the day over here. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fine. I I just want to say that would be that would be my recommendation. You know, I want uh, I would put in for an OTV exemption. You guys can can veto it. That's fine. But yeah, uh, no, but then no one's allowed to complain to me right, in the Discord. Yeah, yeah, sure. You position you position yourself to be the good cop. We see how you did it. No, it's true. Costa is always on on this side in our internal arguments as well. Off but um, you know, concessions were made. 
and a line has been drawn. You know, like what what you're looking at right now is already extremely concessionized. So it's not going any lower than that, you know. And if somebody can can graduate and make their rating points playing OTB games that are faster than the ones we count, then good for them. They can graduate and they don't need to finish off their classical game requirement. But if they don't make it, huh, maybe it's because their games weren't long enough and they need to keep working at it. And, you know, that's that's just where it is. Right. And I, I just want to stress one thing. I am fine. Yeah. If you want to play some rapid events, there's some cool rapid event on the weekend. Play it. Yeah, for sure. I'm not saying you shouldn't. Um, and the thing is to say about our program is that most people are going to advance to the next level before they finish the requirements. And that's the, the hope. And really what's what's going to happen, though, at, at some point, might be at 1,000, might be at 1,800, might be at 2,300. You will reach a plateau. And what the program is designed to do is if you hit that hard wall, the program is designed to say, look, hit the you've hit the hard wall. Now you're going to do all these things. And we're trying to say that you can have a good shot at making it over the barrier, right? And everybody's barrier is different, but everybody does have a barrier. And that's what the program is designed to do. So 30 classical games for our, the guy I just read sounds like a lot, but imagine you really are at the limits of your chess ability. You are gonna need to do those things. It's not gonna be just like, you know, some easy walk in the park. And we're seeing that a lot of people in the Discord, excuse me, in our program, we see it in Discord. I said Discord because I did an announcement today of people who graduated. A lot of people are graduating, you know, within a month or two of the program. That's great. And that's the way it was intended to be. Um, but like they will eventually hit some kind of wall where it will be frustrating and they're going to have to do all the things in the program. Wait, hold on. Sorry, quick correct, correction. We, we didn't intend for people to jump 100 points in like one or two months. No, no, that's I'm just no. saying. That's that is definitely not what I. I hopefully, that's not what I. That's said. what it sounded like. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it happens sometimes. Is, but that's yeah. also partly like we often encourage people to put themselves in the slightly conservative band if they're right on the edge between two bands, right? It's like, well, yeah, you no, rather but, go, you know, ten points. You no, know, but what I'm like what I'm saying is, points. there's a lot of people who have come into the program and they've done the work, and I can definitely tell you, as somebody who's like doing these little announcements for people who graduated, the people who are checking the boxes are making the progress. It's a really linear relationship, and um, what I'm trying to say is, a lot of people who, who you know haven't been, who aren't at their plateau, are using the program, and boom, they're making very quick progress quickly. Right? That's at least that's what I meant to say. Right. But at some point, those people are going to hit a plateau. I don't know when it is, but they will hit it eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. OK, so, yeah, that was a good point about how concessions that is true have already been made when we designed our our time control list. 30, 15, 45, 15, 60, 30, 90. I think we had to drag Jesse down to 30 plus 15, if I recall <laughs> correctly. Yeah, right. uh, even the 45s. Yeah, that was um, not. So, yeah, it's not like. Right. It's not like there hasn't already been uh, some compromise here. Right. I mean, it was my so like I think I agreed with dragging down the time control for the like under 1200s pretty significantly. Right. So we've got 45 minutes and 30 minutes for the under 800s. And that was from my experience of like running dojo tournaments and seeing people play a game with like 30 seconds off their clock, regardless of whether the starting time control is um, you know, 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 45 minutes. So I thought, you know, 30 minutes 
is enough where they can work on trying to spend 20 out of those 30 minutes instead of one out of those 30 minutes. Like there's, there's a lot of room for growth there already for, you know, a 400 rated player who's been, who, who's only played like a couple non-blitz games until they, they join us. Right. Um, yeah. And a lot of kids start out playing like these G thirties, G 25s as well. So I feel like it's a very natural kind of, kind of longer time control to, um, to start with. Um, okay. So it sounds like we're not, not shifting the, the time control requirement. It sounds like there's just no change on this one. Um, <laughs> will we at least sympathize with the people that, <laughs> that have, uh, have issues yeah. with that. Um, I mean, anybody who's getting to go play in like a club, I'm not just sympathizing with them. I'm very happy for them. You know, even if they don't get to check a box um, every Tuesday, if they're playing a classical game every Tuesday or a semi-classical game, I mean, that's fun. That's great. And it's like in person and they're probably getting to talk to other chess players. I mean, it's glorious. And and let's also say that we have these amazing uh, tournaments that we're scheduling and they're classical tournaments. And the one, one game a week, and let's say you want to buy for that week, that's fine. You can take the buy if you can't make it. But that's a one game a week is more than enough, especially if you really want to do the work of analyzing. For sure, one game. Yeah. Well, I would just say, I think for like the under 800, they need to be playing more more games. That's, that's probably, fine. Yeah. You know? But the shorter time control also makes it easier for them to get in more games in a week. They don't need a three or four hour chunk of time to play a single game. Right. Um, actually, maybe at this point we could transition to the scheduling topic because that's kind of okay. I think that's kind of related yeah. here. Um, yeah. So we were talking about scheduling before the break, and um, I was just saying that it, it still is, is an issue for members because it's not that easy to uh, schedule games. Some people have trouble with like Discord, but also it's kind of like uh, most people need kind of notice, you know, set up ahead of time if they're going to play a classical game online, and so that's not always easy to organize um so we are working on that we got someone who's like trying to develop a scheduling app that looks really cool but you know we don't know when it's going to be ready and um uh, we have taken steps with the tournaments like we've started to divide them into sections based on uh, time zones you know mm -hmm. like an eastern and, and western hemisphere type thing um, i think that's helped a little bit but uh, I don't think it's fully solved the, the issues for everyone. Also, not everyone wants to play the tournaments exactly, so they kind of want a simpler way to uh, schedule games. Um, so I think one solution for that that I definitely want to actually start working on is to just kind of run, try to run more um, inter-cohort uh, tournaments where people can um, play against others within their, their cohort, and then it should be easier to kind of schedule and, and set up. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so the the one issue there is, I think we brought this up last time, like we don't want our members just constantly playing against each other. We also want them going out into the real world and playing other people in the chess community, you know, because otherwise we're going to get a situation where everyone's studying like the same repertoires and just like playing each other all the time. It's a little bit odd. <laughs> so we definitely don't just want people just playing against each other all the time, but we also want them to go out and uh, and take the rating points um, of the outside the outside world. Um, okay, do you guys want to jump in on scheduling or? Yeah, I just I just want to briefly say, yeah, it's been a, a surprising challenge. Like we conquered so many other challenges in the dojo, but the scheduling has been a surprisingly hard tech issue. But I definitely think splitting the tournament so that you have European and American time zones, basically, very helpful. 
And then our new classrooms, I think is gonna make it much easier for people to get together to do sparring, opening sparring, end game sparring, and then also like looking at classical games, looking at other people's games that they've played. I'm really hopeful that those are gonna make that easier. Yeah, but that's new, yeah. Okay, um, should we move on to the, the next topic? Sure. Um, and that is the question of the program, I think. Let's, right. let's I go think there's cumulative. another one that's related to what we just said that might be good to go in order, but okay. say what you say. Like, um, right. I'm thinking maybe like finding training partners or stronger players to look at your games or a low-rated player whose games you can look at. That's also kind of like a, a coordination yeah. issue similar to this one. Mm -hmm. Right. That is something... Yeah, I feel like um, we maybe want to promote a little bit more is just kind of like the right people working together, um, doing more game analysis with one another. Um, we just recently released um, our, our classrooms, which I think have, have started off well. And now there's like a lot more study sessions going on. Um, but yeah, it would be nice to encourage more like game review. And I think one feedback I really um, felt for was, you know, when like, people submit um, games and they ask for feedback and then, uh, you know, they don't really get anything of substance. Someone just writes like, yeah, good analysis, good job. And then that's, that's kind of it. And then maybe they were looking, you know, they spent several hours on it. You know, they were hoping for maybe a little bit more critique. So it would be cool for us to kind of find a way to encourage the community um, to, you know, kind of like really actually look at each other's games a little bit more, um, uh, concretely, right, and actually like try to provide like um, you know real feedback or real thoughts. Um, so I don't know how exactly to do that, but yeah, I think that would be. I think that would just be great for for everyone. Here's one idea I had last night. You guys can tell me if it seems interesting or has a major hole. My idea is that people would actually have to put into let's say the scoreboard, or they would have to enter the information somewhere. They'd have to put the username of one training partner from their cohort the name of one like plus who was going to help them sometimes and the name of one minus if applicable this wouldn't be for like you know the zero to 400 cohort right but um if it's within their band one minus who they were going to like help or look at their games sometimes and then on top of that what we would do is like if you didn't pick somebody yourself within a certain amount of time let's say a hmm. month or two weeks then we would we would pair you with somebody like we would just say here's an unpaired person who needs another person and boom we would just do it yeah that would be the dream it's a little despotic but <laughs> kind of like and I, I just want to say i was saying on my stream earlier today i feel like the one like if you imagine the the training program having three pillars right game analysis having a structure and then plus minus equal right? Somebody above you, a cohort and below you. I feel like the, the plus minus equal has been the hardest thing and the most unsuccessful of those three pillars. So that's definitely something that I think the, if we had a scheduling app, it would help, right? Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people in the feedback are saying, I like this a lot. They're like, well, I don't have someone necessarily above me to work with me. I don't have like some kind of personal touch, someone looking at me. I don't have... And a lot of people have submitted games and they've had higher rated players look at them, but not everybody. So a lot of times 
you know, you do this hard work in the annotation and then you submit it and then it's crickets, which is understandable. There's a lot of people submitting games, right? But if we can in any way facilitate that um, interaction between the plus and the minus, it's whereas the cohorts are really going great. It's the plus and the minus where it gets tricky, right? Um, and so I want to say, one, that we have a bunch of coaches that you can pay, and that's not a dumb thing. They are familiar with the program. But of course, not everybody wants to pay for a coach. I get it. And there are then people above you who you can who can help you. But facilitating that is difficult. And I think also um, that it's hard for people to understand that teaching is a very powerful form of self-improvement in their own game, just being able to articulate. So if you imagine somebody uh, from a higher band holding a group class about almost anything, whether it was an opening or an end game position, that them having to articulate what's going on in that position and then answer questions and answer them in a way that's coherent to the people who are maybe 400 points below them, very helpful. Yeah, so no, definitely that, think that's, that's a, something we need. Sorry, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I've I've learned so much about how much I don't know in the King's Indian um, from like working on this course. <laughs> it's like, you know, when you have to like present the material, it's like, yeah, you just, you, you learn a, a lot of stuff about what, what actually you don't know or like not clear about because, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, no, I think that's, it's very insightful. So yeah, I think we just have to kind of maybe try to come up with some better um, incentives because there, there are quite a few actually members in the program that are on the higher end that don't mind at all offering feedback, but okay, they, mm -hmm. they can't do it for, uh, you know, like 800 people below them, right? So yeah, it's, right. Uh, it has to be kind of, um, right, like, uh, I think more, more involved. Um, but uh, yeah, in, in general, I would say, I mean, that's also another thing we, we've been discussing recently has been trying to get more just high rated players into the program, period. Yeah, um, which is definitely something we've, we've been working on. We've been uh, inviting folks and stuff. Um, so I'm hoping that will also kind of improve things uh, as well. Right. Um, Jesse mentioned like a piece of feedback we got from two or three people at least that like when you put in a lot of effort on your annotation and don't get any response from anybody, whether they be somebody in your cohort or somebody stronger than you or whatever, um, it, it feels bad. Like you would, you would even want to have somebody just say like, oh, nice work, man. You know, like even, even just that, right. No substantive feedback, but even just that. I was thinking an idea for that is we could put like an extra task where you need to um, go, you know, put some comments on other people's analysis. And we've got that in some bands that you have to put like one comment, but maybe we could like up that requirement, give you like 10 different boxes to check for, you know, just going around and, and yeah. And, and we can also make them more, more creative. Um, Cause I would definitely fear that we're just going to get spam, <laughs> you know, not spam, but just people just, you know, just writing whatever, but we, we can make the task more creative, just like find a mistake in someone's analysis. And then they really have to kind of dig for that. And that's not something that they can just um, phone in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but, uh, okay. So we are kind of approaching, uh, I think our, our time limit here, but we, we did want to talk about this we, topic. We got to talk about the cumulative. Mm-hmm. Right. 
This, really yeah, this idea that the, the program can have uh, material that is cumulative, meaning like right now the way it's structured is you have your rating band, you have the work that you're doing in that band, and we're not really asking you to do anything um, before that, anything in the lower rating bands, unless unless like you complete everything and then you, you still feel like you don't really know your end games, for example, then we would suggest like go back and, and go through some of the end games in, in the previous bands. Um, so yeah, there's this question of which of the material should be cumulative because we have the endgame algorithms, things like king and queen checkmate, bishop and knight checkmate, things like that, things you kind of like study and understand. We have the endgame sparring positions, middle game and opening sparring positions as well. Then we have the games to memorize, which I think uh, would be hard to, to force that on, on people, but maybe some people want access to that list if they're interested in all these like great games. Um, and then of course we have the games to study, which is like 20 to 30, and then it increases a uh, number of classic games per band. That's one that, yeah, I definitely think makes sense. Um, could be cumulative because it's like, yeah, if you're 1400 and uh, okay, they were studying Steinitz's games in the 1200 band. Like, I think those games are still going to be uh, useful for you, for example. So yeah, it's a it's a really interesting suggestion. I I've I mean I, I think I, we were discussing this originally, like when we were just designing the structure of the program. This was always an option. Um, so yeah, personally, I feel like for for the end game algorithms, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, actually, if you guys remember, originally I had this idea where I wanted to categorize the end games like level one end games, which is basically like the first five or ten end games in our list of end game algorithms. And I wanted to be like, all right, all levels have to have to know these level one end games, right? Like everyone has to know how to mate with like king and queen for for example. And then maybe you could have level two end games that are a little bit more advanced. And then if you're a thousand and up, then you need to know all level two end games as well as the level one end games. Um, so this is kind of one suggestion that I think uh, makes sense. There are different ways we can structure it, but I think it definitely makes sense that, yeah, as you're going up the rating ladder, you still got to know how to mate with the king and rook, bishop and knight, like all that stuff is necessary, even if you joined at a later rating. Right. Yeah, I don't see a reason why for almost all of this material, we would not create like a reference point where anyone can go and see what was in the bands before them. And then go over it if they want to optionally. Yeah, I think okay. So I would say that where it's important in a cumulative sense is especially with the end game algorithm. So so if you get thrown into the eighteen nineteen hundred group and you might know not know various of these end game algorithms, there might be some kind of metric where you say, all right, you have to do the four before of the four previous bands. And the reason not all of the bands is at the beginning, if you're at 1800, I think you can mate with a rook or a queen, right? But the other bands, right, there would be things that you would definitely, we would want you to like have solid knowledge of. So there's that where I can imagine the cumulative being very effective and that basically we just be adding requirements to certain uh, layers of, let's say in this case, the end game algorithm. And then I want to say for our own band, the 2400 band, I think one of the things that's odd is there's a lot of books in the previous band that I feel like, oh, I mean, I've read them because I partly, you know, was the one recommending them. But I'm like, right, all of these books, I feel like, you know, it's it's not like we just, especially at the higher bands, it's not just one book. 
<laughs> buddy, you need to be reading a lot of books, man. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to be absorbing a lot of material. And so it's there where I can imagine really uh, more, especially from the prior bands. For example, I think with calculation for, for the higher bands, Perfect Your Chess and uh, The Best Move, books like that are just fantastic. And it should be, you know, there's a kind of cumulative effect there. Um, so that's my two cents on it. I think it wouldn't be that hard to do a small increment, incremental change on this with, in terms of the end game algorithms and the, uh, books, but the whole cumulative thing, which a lot of people are suggesting, I'm not sure I get, it doesn't make intuitive sense to me. I mean, there, I, the, 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 the whole cumulative thing is there's a body of knowledge Right. That ultimate you all ultimately you all need to have, right? So like right. if we've practiced some end game at the eleven hundred level with an extra outside pass pawn and learned how to use an extra outside pass pawn to win an end game, and there's somebody who made it up to sixteen hundred on their tactics and just never really worked on their end games, right? Like they're gonna have some kind of a hole there. Um and so the idea is the idea is which elements of the training program are part of a full body of knowledge that everyone should eventually get. And then how do we present that so that people who come in with different strengths and weaknesses can go find and, and, and fill up the things that they missed mm -hmm. because we would have recommended them at a lower level. It's not the only order or level at which people could learn those things. Right. Yeah. It's a tricky question because um, there's certainly a lot of very strong players that didn't really look at a lot of, like romantic games, for example, games from the 19th, mm -hmm. 18th centuries. And we have those like in the program, but yeah, I, I would be hard pressed to say that, oh yeah, it's like necessary to look at these. I think it's a good idea personally. I think learning all the classics makes sense, but people can get really, really strong and not really study a lot of those uh, older games. So yeah, it's a question like wh what exactly we want to um, maybe make mandatory. Like I think for the end games, I think we want to be really clear because uh, there's certainly a lot of people that join at 16, 1700, and maybe they don't know the end game work before them. Um, I think, I think part of that is covered. I'll have to check this, but you know, we have this uh, Silman end game book requirement. And mm -hmm. I think part of the requirement for certain levels is to like read up to a certain part. So you're not just reading right. like that one chat, like, cause it's a very long book. So you're not just reading like part three, which is maybe like hundred, 150 pages, but you're also reading parts one and two, or at least skimming parts one and two. Uh, for stuff that you don't know, that you don't know, um, and and that can be with the end games. I think that's definitely something that people can. Uh, well, obviously it, it's all self police, but you know you you probably know whether you know like the different checkmates or if you know like a theoretical end game or or not, right? Um, so, uh, I think that one makes a lot of sense, and I think for the other stuff, yeah, I would just say like maybe we should just make it more available. Uh, just have like a PGN for people that, um, or just like a, a page or listing somewhere where people can just see um, the different games, the full list of games to memorize. Um, I think we've, uh, or we're at least working on it, or we, we've started to put up all the different sparring positions, like the end game, middle game, uh, sparring positions. At least those those links are, are available for people um, to, to look at. Um, but, but yeah, maybe some kind of extra credit system. So yeah, there is this point, I don't know if we mentioned yet, but we have these sparring arenas where we rotate the positions and uh, 
people play different endgame positions, but it might not be the ones for their band. So it's still useful, it's still a very useful game. I mean, David and I have played a bunch of those endgame positions on, on Endgame Sensei, even though they're on like, you know, 1200 band, 1400 band, whatever. And all those games have been very useful for us. So yeah. I think not it's- Not like, flawlessly, we had things to learn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We So I think it would make sense to maybe somehow design a way, maybe like a progress bar or something where it's like, okay, you have your main sparring positions for your band, but then if you go and play out some of these other end games, maybe you get some kind of, uh, at least some credit for that. Again, I mean, when it comes to like the big picture, graduating means your rating went up. So whether you did some sparring yeah. or whatever, whether it counted or not, ultimately it's all about your rating, but it would be fun to just kind of give people um, something to to check off if they do that work. Yeah. To me, I'm not sure what extra credit is. Like the goal is just to get some rating points, you know, by, eventually by actually increasing your strength. I would suggest yeah, extra credit doesn't really exist in our optional, system. right? Like mm-hmm. I would suggest making it all optional and basically directing people like, hey, there's like, you know, these three reasons. If you run into one of these reasons, like go do this extra material, right? One is you check everything off and you haven't graduated. Okay, go back, right? Another is you've noticed that you've got some kind of weakness, right? Like, for example, in your classical games, in your cohort, you score 50-50, but in the end game sparring, you score like 10%. So it's like, hmm, there's our weakness, right? Or you do everything like well, but your but your tactics score is like 15 away from where you're supposed to be or 10 away from where you're supposed to be on the puzzle rush or the other markers, right? So anytime you find some kind of weakness, it's like, hey, maybe go check the cumulative in that area up to your level right so check the Mm. you know the tactics up to your level you know go back and do i guess you force everybody to do the polgar mates but like you know if you were telling people to do mates 200 to 300 it'd be like hey go back and do zero to 200 as well right go back and do the the sparring positions you haven't done do the algorithms and then the final reason would just be interest right it's just like if you're looking for something cool to do like go back and check out the Steinitz games from from the band below you or the Morphe games, you know, for for fun, but also it's useful. Let me just say, people don't like optional, and I understand it, it creates anxiety. <laughs> it creates anxiety. It's like, should I do it or should I don't? <laughs> I've always been against anything that sounds optional. And the other thing is an, an, an admonishment to myself and to us, I think, is it's easy to add stuff. It's always easy to add stuff. And so I'm... I think like anything that we're talking about today, it makes sense. We could add it, but we don't, yeah, we want to be very deliberate. I think about not adding too much in the same way, Kostya, this is a complaint. It's a separate complaint, but it's similar. (laughs) We got too many channels now, buddy, on the training program. It's just a proliferation. We're getting too many channels. People are talking about in the comments. I get it too. My boomer GM mind can't deal with it. It's too much. Mm. As, as, As an example, we have to keep the program as efficient and like dial down as possible. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to look at that. I mean, we we recently kind of like streamlined it a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, actually, sorry, to, to Jesse's point, um, one thing I wanted to say, um, oh boy, sorry, you threw that last thing and it totally, <laughs> <laughs> totally. About things um, being optional, Kostya? Yeah, so the optional thing, right, the other danger is that it gives people another thing to do other than their main weakness that they need to work on, right? So they, if they have a main weakness that they're ignoring 
and then then they're instead spending six months going through all the classic games in the different bands because that's what they like yeah. doing but they're never working on their like calculation or, or whatever so that's kind of a danger so we just have to i like the idea of optional but um available where it's like it's there for people that you know are just curious or want to see the previous games um or you know they have, they've never studied some morphe games and now they they have a chance to go and look at them um or they want to participate in, in a study session, uh, you know, because the cohorts are kind of, we have these like 400 point rating bands for the classrooms. And so if a cohort's going through some some games, maybe you want to go and, and join in. I think that's totally fine. So yeah, we just have to, um, it goes back to our earlier point about highlighting what's important and what should be the focus and what people should be spending their time on. So as long as people are clear, it's like, here's the stuff you got to work on. Here's the stuff that um, you can do just for fun or for interest. Or, or whatever if you're at Or because a you've identified that that's your weakness, right? Yeah, that's, that's the most important And we're not thing. distracting you or taking away from doing your weakness. We're like, you're clearly doing worse in middle game sparring than in end game sparring or worse in opening sparring than in middle game sparring or whatever. Like, you find a weakness and then we say, hey, those are the people who should go back and cover, like, previous material. Yeah, and I think there's definitely quite a few people that... Uh, are certainly their their level goes down specifically in the end game as soon as like it was like fewer pieces on the board it's just like something uh there's just something you know off or just not enough experience and yeah i think uh, those folks definitely could stand to do a lot more end game sparring even um just just going through all the different uh, positions so yeah i think there's definitely some points there i feel like we have to make it available but also recognize that yeah it's not like yeah, it doesn't have the same importance as some of the other stuff in the, in someone's specific uh, rating.